Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. John Storm, it's another week in the gaming industry, and we still don't have a name for this, but we're just going to call it some sort of chat with uh, Scott Taylor, Josh Brown. I'm joined by Josh Brown. Josh Brown, how are you doing, Josh Brown? I'm doing all right. That's a lot of um, my name in a row there. Like, everyone <laughs> full names me. I don't know what the crack is with this, but ever since school... Well, you kind of started that. Did I? Yeah. Did I? I can't remember that. I'm not <laughs> sure that's we true. But if we do news and you hand something over, it's like, what do you think, Scott Taylor? What do you, well, Scott Taylor, what do you think of this? <laughs> so I'm just, I'm throwing it right back at you, Josh, Josh J, JP, Josh Brown. <laughs> Thank you. My full name, Josh J.B. Brown, like um, Homer <laughs> J. Simpson, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're in this weird place right now, man, where mm. every single time it gets to this podcast, like I'm always hoping for at least like a smidge of bre- record-breaking industry news or something, but it's just, <laughs> it's just not happening. I think we've both found ourselves in a bit, of a, a bit of a tiz over the past few weeks or so, just trying to find some purpose, Scott Tilford, in <laughs> the gaming landscape, you know what I mean? You could have put a full I'm stop struggling. right there, just last few weeks, just trying to find some purpose. Is it inside a version of GTA 5 with extra cash on for GTA Online? No, it's not. Is it inside a PlayStation adapter for my HDTV? No, it's not. No. Keep looking, No, it's though. not. No, it's certainly not in Sopranos Road to Respect or the Phantom Menace PlayStation 1 game on my front either. So it, it sucks. And I've had to go back to, you know, in a way, though, it doesn't suck because I will admit that I actually have had to go and check out the backlog that I've had for a while. And finally, after the uh, Mortal Kombat trailer announcement, and after we've been talking about it and stuff, you very graciously got me Mortal Kombat 11 um, for Christmas. Uh, not yes. last Christmas, but the Christmas before. And then in response to your generosity, I just never played it. Um, because <laughs> I did I'm see that terrible. coming, to be honest. It's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's your version of you giving me prey and me sort of doing <laughs> the beginning of it and meaning to get back to it and very slowly getting through it. Exactly. But this time, a year later, I did actually put it in and play it. And I've been hammering mm-hmm. that for the past week and just loving it I, I can't believe i put it off for so long maybe i just needed the mortal kombat trailer hype to get back in that world but <laughs> dude i have been absolutely loving that thing it is it is fighting game perfection and that's coming from someone who doesn't who's a lapsed fighting game fan so what was the thing that made you go back to it now because i i've had it i reinstalled it when all the when aftermath came out the the story expansion stuff they then did the dlc characters and i was like well i want to see what rambo plays like i want to see what molina and shang Tsung and stuff uh play like and so but i'm a massive mortal kombat fan anyway i've, I've nearly always had it installed i only got rid of it because of the file size um because it is yeah. like 90 gig or whatever when everything's installed um but that is like totally my casual game i think I've, i think i said this last week but that's the thing that i dip in do a couple of matches every day um versus like for you has that like that's become your more like every game but what was the thing that made you go back to it 
Um, a combination of things. Like one was just the renewed interest in that franchise in general, and I wanted to see what was going on with those characters. But secondly, mm. I think I just wanted a genre or a type of game that felt fresh. And because I don't usually play a fighting game, so I haven't for a long, long time. Like mm. I was just getting sick of these 60 to 100 hour experiences, and I was getting a bit sick of first person shooters, and nothing Preach. on the store was kind of um, appealing to me. So I, I was just after something a little bit different that you know, would scratch a different itch. And I had Mortal Kombat in the draw and I thought, right, okay, this is time. I get to play through the story, which I was looking forward to. I knew that was quite short. I just, in general, I just wanted something that I could complete. I didn't want to get lost or bogged down in another endless experience because for as much as I was loving Neo 2, I'd still highly recommend that game. I got to a point where I was 30 hours in and I was looking at the missions I had to go and I was thinking, I don't, I don't know if I have it in me to play this for another <laughs> month and a bit to, uh-huh. you know, put in another 40 hours just to complete it, if not more, you know. So I just kind of cut ties with that at the end. And I just didn't want to do that again because I mm-hmm. did that with, almost did that with Valhalla, I mean, where I got to the point where I was like, I, sh- I don't know if I have it in me to finish this. I wanted yeah. something I could finish. And Mortal Kombat, you know, it's a game where I can jump into the story and complete the story. But now also, you know, I can jump did into you, the towers. Uh, it becomes in every game. Did you finish Valhalla in the end? Yes, in the yes. end I did, but I almost cut ties with it after like I, a couple of weeks off. I definitely want to solve, I want to get out there, I want to get in the public ear. The uh, the test that I have to see if other people have this, let me know over on social media, let us know on social media. Um, if other people have this test, because I've told you about it, where I just, I have a, it's a subconscious test for a game, where like, if I, I'll just see if something passes the subconscious test, <clears throat> which is to say that if you start playing something and I'm absolutely loving it, I'm putting a bunch of hours in um, and I just, it's its only like, a, it's, I can't even really describe this without making it sound like I'm bending time, but like it'll be <laughs> a week later and I'll just remember that I used to, I was really into that game the week previous. Like it'll just be something that'll remind me of it <clears throat> or maybe I'll see it on my library or something. I'll be like, oh yeah, that was a whole thing. I was loving that for like a few days, but it didn't pass the subconscious test. Somewhere along the way, <laughs> my brain filtered that out and I kept going and I played other things because um, I'm always sort of doing a, a rotation of like six games at once anyway. And for whatever reason, that thing didn't latch on. So for me, I kind of have that subconscious test where I sort of, but I don't realize until a week later, a month later that I go, oh, that was a whole thing. And I sort of go back yeah. and like rarely, I'll maybe pick something back up and I go, yeah, this is why I dropped off this thing. And um, I don't know if you have that or a version of that, or you just like, yeah. you'll filter things away and get back to them eventually. I think I've got, you know, something close to Dr. Telford's subconscious test there because it's not quite the same <laughs> where I forget I was yes. playing for it. But sometimes I will have like a week off or maybe I'll just go back, go to, go jump into something, you know, even after a weekend off. And then suddenly like the, the love has gone, the love has vanished, the brief <laughs> affair, the passionate affair that I had with a game is suddenly gone. I don't know what makes that happen i don't know where the click comes or mm. why you kind of like just drop off with it maybe it is a time investment thing where i'm looking at it and thinking oh god i'm not i haven't even scratched the surface of this and do i have it in me to play more of it but yeah i think there is definitely something to that a lot of the times i like to finish stuff because mm. i get like well anxious if i don't complete something i feel like i've wasted my time or wasted the developer's time or whatever so i like to at least polish off the main story mostly even if i do have to slug through like the last few hours or something um and sometimes it works like in assassin's creed i got some really good parts after i thought i was done i don't think the ending justified it but sometimes it's just i kind of oh, I don't the, know why i'm the doing big, it the big you know? the big light man the big returning man you know, you know <sighs> that. The, 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 the big craziness i was but i was i was just expecting more from that you know we talked about mm. this in our um assassin's creed ending did actually yeah bloody podcast but um i knew that was happening before i went into it so i was kind of building it up in my head and then when that was kind of all it was i was like i could have got uh, this on a youtube thing and that's the big kind of sticker for me it's like 
could I have just got this off watching YouTube, which sounds bad, but when you have to play a game like Assassin's Creed, which, you know, in its final hours is just a lot of grinding, a lot of repeating the same mm. missions and stuff. Like, that to me gets... I'm like, well, what am I getting out of this? Am I doing it well, just to was, do it? Am I doing it to get a cutscene, you know? That was the thing that I said to you when... Because I went straight through Origins, straight into Odyssey. <clears throat> what the hell's wrong with my throat? I'm going to cough, and I'm going to leave this in. Um, but the <laughs> when I played through Origins and then Odyssey, and then when they announced Valhalla, and I was like, oh my god, I can't. I cannot do another one of these massive games. And I played... I think I played about 40-ish hours of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, just dipping in, doing mm -hmm. an hour sort of every other night. Um, but it is more of the same. And I feel like Ubisoft completely zeroed in on that formula where it's just sort of like, it's almost like fast food, like a treadmill. It's sort of like, well, you know exactly what you're getting. Um, and it's fun enough, but I always burn out on those things. Those games don't pass the subconscious test. Like I'll yeah. I'll play the absolute crap out of Valhalla when it first launches that first weekend, first few days. And I'll realize a month later when someone mentions Assassin's Creed that I completely dropped off it. Um, and so I remember saying to you when you started Valhalla, like, oh dude, I went through these formulas like with Origins and, or and Odyssey. And the, the, the invisible brick wall needs to be another terminology. The invisible brick wall <laughs> <laughs> so like apparent when you hit it of just like oh god it's just this for another hundred hours um, yeah. and it's just it just puts you off um we should talk about specifics with mortal kombat though because you finished the story um and mortal kombat 11 has uh, scorpion and sub-zero teaming up as like a buddy cop style energy after they uh, made friends in mk10 what did you think of the the mortal kombat 11 story what's the stuff that got like that stood out to you i guess as more of like a casual fan Oh, I loved it, man. Like, as a, <laughs> I, cause I used to be so into the mythology of everything. So when they were making references to past games, whether it was like Deadly Alliance or Deception mm -hmm. or whatever, I'm like I was well up for all that stuff. <laughs> when they were like jumping back in time, obviously you're getting older versions of these characters coming back. You're getting references to these different timelines. I just thought it was such a cool thing. I don't think I'm the first person to make this reference, but it feels <laughs> like the the end game of Mortal Kombat. You know, you're getting like, this totally, love letter yeah. to the past franchise and there's literal like time travel involved. And I loved the stuff that they done um since Mortal Kombat 10 with the characters because I only got halfway through Mortal Kombat 10. I love Mortal Kombat 9. Mm -hmm. So to pick up with the likes of you know Scorpion and Sub-Zero now kind of like joined together and more human than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. Like I love those little changes. I love the dynamics between Liu Kang and Raiden and their future selves and what they might turn into and how they kind of like want to change that. I just thought it was such a neat idea and mm -hmm. so well exe executed from a storytelling and cinematographical um, perspective because like the direction in the fight scenes and the choreography and the way it's shot is so mm -hmm. cinematic and I could have just watched the whole thing I didn't even have oh, to play and have a good time yeah, it's easily one of the best Mortal Kombat movies ever. Like, I, I like the idea that obviously before the newest movie was sort of put into like fuller production or whatever, that like Ed Boon and then the um, creative team were just like, okay, we'll do it ourselves. Like, you know, we've had all these weird sort of offshoot versions of Mortal Kombat movies. There's the 1995 one, then there was Annihilation. And and for whatever reason, there's not been another big budget uh, Mortal Kombat movie until now. And I kind of, the a lot of the way that, that the game's cutscenes are shot just feels like it could just be Hollywood. Like they've, you know, they've actually they've got, they've clearly got actors doing motion capture anyway. And they've sort of just, um, you know, animated it that way. Because you haven't played the Aftermath expansion yet, but the, no. they double down on that stuff even more. There's a really flashy, quote-unquote, one-take uh, fight scene where Shang Tsung just takes on, like, three or four robots in one shot. And it's just great. I just love... Mortal Kombat's always known how to, like, just be this, like, fan-first thing. 
Um, and I just feel like they, like Aftermath is such a celebration, such a victory lap of that they nailed MK11 so much. Um, speaking of 11, though, um, is to turn the clock back to MK10 because you went back to MK9 for a bit. I went and checked out MK10 for a bit. Um, the leap in quality between 10 and 11 is insane. Um, I know you were saying that like um, when you go back to the old games, the idea of like Scorpion and Sub-Zero being like demonic forces rather than like the sort of more humanoid characters or human characters that they are in 11, that stands out to you now. Yeah, which is, I didn't expect it to, because obviously, you know, being a, a young Mortal Kombat fan at the time, like Scorpion and Sub-Zero were some of the most compelling people in there. Their rivalry, <laughs> obviously, fueled a, a lot of late night... <laughs> fueled a lot of late night internet mythology binges but i thought it was like just so cool to see them in a completely different light here and now going back to it i kind of want the more humanized version of those characters Ooh. now and i don't know whether that's kind of sacrilegious to say and i don't know what the actual fandom kind of consensus is on that but i thought it was just i, I don't know i was i was ready for a change like that and i thought it was really neat and really cool and I connected to them in a different way. And I love that Mortal Kombat can just constantly surprise me like that. Like when things happen in these games, like you feel them, you feel like the development of them, you feel mm. like things are at stake and consequences matter, even if we do a lot of the time get like things turned back or, you know, but I mean, whatever it is, reset. But still. It is one of the only long form franchise IP stories still going. Like Metal Gear Solid mm. is done. Um, I can't even think of any stuff that started in the 90s that is still going. Like Mortal Kombat's one of the only ones that is one giant timeline. Like even when they did the soft reboot in 2011, it's still the same like canon it's just that they yeah. went back in time and redid stuff um so to that end I, I feel like things have like a weight that they don't have in other franchises simply because they haven't lasted this long um the thing in mk11 not to go for like you know full spoilers for everything but um because of the time travel stuff you do end up with two different scorpions and you sort of have the more human scorpion who's low who knows the truth about what happened to his clan uh telling the younger version of him that is the more like hellfire demon version and that he doesn't need to be so annoyed here's the truth and he calms him down um what do you think of that stuff of them sort of like the the elder character telling the young version telling telling the 90s that the 90s were a bit crazy <laughs> i like that and it's because um from what i can remember of mortal kombat 10 mm. i didn't really like that they'd aged some of the characters up so much i felt like we'd missed a johnny lot cage of time old, yeah. in between yeah like johnny cage got old obviously and i felt like that was a missed opportunity because i was like i wanted even though we already kind of know what happened in that time because we played the older games mm. i wanted to see how the changes to the timeline affected that i wanted to see them kind of grow up but i felt like we just jumped too far ahead but here i felt like we got that reflexivity back a little bit so when we had those moments between the two scorpions or whether mm. it's um you know right raiden getting um visions of his past and future and how his relationship with Liu kang like fractures mm. i just thought all that stuff was so neat and so well drawn you know whether it was between um scorpion and scorpion or whether it was between you know sonya blade her young self coming into mm. the future and talking to cassie cage and stuff like that i just thought the, the level of storytelling was just like impressive in a way that i didn't expect i knew the choreography would be good mm -hmm. i knew the fighting itself would be intrigued i didn't expect to care as much as i did like i was 13 again like i was back in the day and devouring all the mythology around it like mm -hmm. i finished this game and like you said there i went back to mortal kombat 9 looking up cutscenes. i want to <laughs> i want to get my playstation 2 out and buy deadly alliance again you know what i mean i want to go oh back. my god when we go are allowed in. to be in person we are having a mortal kombat cart tournament because i don't feel like anywhere <laughs> near enough people know that there was a cart racing game in mk armageddon but i just yeah i'd love to go back to those 2000s ones because i don't in my head they'll they've aged fine like i recognize mm. that 
they're old and chunky and weird, but I feel like they'll be fun and arcadey. Um, but I, I mean, I know that my MK Armageddon's create your own fatality thing is terrible. But like, yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat's come such a long way. Obviously, those games across the two thousands were like tanking, and then Warner Brothers rebooted it, and I love where they are now. Um, how do you think? How do you uh, find the combat and stuff? Having played the two thousands ones and sort of you did a bit of MK nine in twenty eleven, then you sort of like you you came back for MK eleven. Yeah, yeah, a, totally. Yeah, like, like, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I played a lot of MK9 back in the day. Like, we used to have tournaments for my friends and stuff. And oh. I just dropped off fighting games in general for about eight years. And <laughs> so picking it back it's up. It's a good time, mate. You want to get Dragon Ball Fighters? I did. And I wasn't very good oh. at it. This is the thing. This is why oh, I don't drive with them. It's because I'm not very good at them and I don't mm. have the time. I don't know how I used to have the patience to just do it when I was younger because I would play like through Mortal Kombat over and over again with all like the different characters, getting everything in the crypt and stuff like that. Yep. But now I just. I feel frustrated at myself and I'm not immediately good at it. And that's a sort of a hurdle I have to get over. And I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to force my way through that with MK9. And it <laughs> helps that, you know, there is some familiarity with some of the characters and some of the characters have easier combos than other. Like you can pick yeah. Scorpion and just start mashing buttons and pull off some combos and it, it, for it to look sick. Most of the special moves go between everybody as well. Like nearly everybody yes. has like a down left square, down left circle, whatever. Like, yeah, you can sort yeah, of guess totally. most people's things. Yeah, there's a lot of it's it's much easier to get into than I, I find than something like you know Street Fighter, which is really mm. def- difficult to just jump um, straight into. Mm-hmm. But um, like generally speaking, I just I I, I want to learn it now. Like I, right. I'm in a point where I'm not just here for the story. Like I want to learn the intricacies of it. I want to get better at specific characters and level them up and stuff like that. So for me, like the fighting itself. I, I, that was almost secondary to what I was wanting, but now I'm just playing through those towers with like a podcast on and just having yes. fun. I, oh god, I love all the living tower stuff. I was gonna say, have you indulged much in all the like the frame data and all the technical side of it? Because they obviously, because the fighting, the esports side of fighting games has obviously blown up so much over the last sort of decade and a bit. Uh, maybe a bit longer than that, I guess. Um, Mortal Kombat and Injustice, like both the Netherrealm, uh, the newest games from them, they they have entire modes dedicated to frame data, and that's part of the tutorial yeah. in uh, Injustice and in MK11. Um, do you bother with that stuff much, or have you like um, even in the the base game mechanics, like burning a part of your defense meter so you can get up into an uppercut or like get you can cancel out of being launched through the air you can burn some of your meter for that kind of thing i love that dimension to the fight but i wonder if that stuff even like stands out unless you're looking for it i think it's just um it's a little bit overwhelming at first so i did a bit of the tutorial and when it kind of like started talking to me about frame data i was like i'll get to this later and i do want to go back to the tutorial (laughs) because there's a trophy attached to it yeah there's a trophy attached to it it's just so extensive and it's so good and like it does teach you everything you need to know so i'm Mm -hmm. fascinated to get all that knowledge and and then apply it but yeah when it comes to kind of like those meters and stuff and playing more tactically than i usually do in these games normally i just kind of hope for the best and win <laughs> through attrition and brute force but here i'm like i'm thinking about it in a way i never used to think about fighting games i'm like i'm blocking when i need oh, to i can, burning I can those feel you getting there i can feel I you becoming a fighting game chap and i'm loving it <laughs> <laughs> i hope so man because i'm i'm fully in now like i said i'm going back to mk9 i will reinstall mk10 um, just to see what the crack you is i want to bust out I want to know what the story is. Even though I've like read up on the story and watched the cutscenes, I want to experience it for myself. You know what I mean? I want to know how I can put my, my reaction to MK10 into a noise. It's <laughs> just sort of a general, oh, I don't know. Just, oh, we didn't like MK10. Thought that was weird. I know. All the combat kids and everything. I know, I know, I know. But the thing is, Scott, the beauty of them 
it's only like six hours, so I can give it a go. And that's like 10% of an Assassin's Creed. So <laughs> I can do like 10 Mortal Kombat's in the same time it would take me to do a 60-hour open world game. But no, I even want to get the PlayStation 1 Classic out and play through Tekken 3 again. Yes. I went to buy Tekken 7, but it's not in the sale anymore. And I wasn't going to pay <laughs> 40 pounds for it. But once that's back in the sale, my friend, Tekken 7 will be bought. Tekken 7 is a show. They, uh, they did some cool little things to the way that 7 works as well, bringing in like Street Fighter-style special moves. And the I love the thing where it's zooms in if, if two uh if both of you go for the same final hit it'll zoom all the way in and show like mm. the individual frames like coming together for who That's actually cool. gets the final hit um things like that are really really cool one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. 
Um, to move on from Mortal Kombat, I played back through Wolfenstein, the 2014 one, um, because I, I don't know what the hell reminded me of it. I think I was writing about it in some entry thing, and I, I haven't played, I never finished that game. I actually got way further in it than I remember, because I, I thought I abandoned it pretty early on. But as I played back through it, I actually got almost all the way to the lunar base at the end, where you, you go to the moon, there's a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of Nazis on the moon, and uh, you go to take care of them. Um, that game, though, considering, you know, Wolfenstein 2 sort of gets held up as like, you know, you barely have enough health to get through it. A lot of people lowered the difficulty to get through it. And it didn't feel like it was very well balanced between, you know, you have like dual wielding shotguns, but also you need there's like a stealth element and there's a ton of guards to get through. Um, like here's a bunch of bodies. But if you actually try and run in, do it doom style, you'll just get cut down. I feel like yeah. that game, Wolfenstein 2 has that reputation, but I would 100% say that Wolfenstein 1 does. And I don't know if it's I was playing through it going like, it's breaking my mind because I don't know. I never got comfortable with how to play that game. And I feel like it opens really, really strong. Um, and it only really like falls off because as the levels get bigger, the more you get given more weapons, you know, you're, you're dual wielding shotguns and everything like mm -hmm. that. But the more you run into those areas, the more you just get laser shot from across the map and you're dead in like five hits. Like I ended up lowering the difficulty to, I think it was called, can I play daddy was like the very easy one. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to finish this man. Like I've been on with it for like, I don't know, 10, 15 hours or whatever it is. Um, and I'm loving the concept and everything and the, and the gunplay feels solid enough. But yeah, towards the end, like that game opens up in a way that I was like, this just feels completely at odds with itself. Like I want to yeah. be the righteous manifestation of, you know, revenge against the, the Nazi oppression, you know, personified through BJ Blazkowicz. Love that. But the second I actually go to play is it, I just get shot from across the map and I'm dead again. So I was like, I yeah. need this to be a power fantasy and you've built it up to be that thematically. And for me, it just kept falling apart. Yeah, I'd fully agree. Like, I haven't played it since the time, but I had the same mm. issues with it then. But I think it got cut a lot more slack than Wolfie 2 because at the time, like, there was no, like, mainstream throwback FPSs like it. You know, Doom was still a few years off, and this True. was, like, one of the first big games to go, like, we don't need to be modern military shooters anymore. We can embrace the old school. We, <laughs> we can bring be back wacky. We can be wacky. We can bring back um, having armor and health. <clears throat> we can bring back, you know, mm. having to scrounge... Um, uh, oh my god stuff. i need i need to to vet this with my Go little on. hands flinging up and down i need to vet this on a public forum because why is that what, what okay why does any game make it so you have to pick up ammo for one why is yeah. that ever a thing in any game ever i'd love a game dev to talk about why that's a thing because why <laughs> what, do, I, do i not want the bullets like it just this, it never make it never ever makes sense um and two why is the pickup ammo button also the reload button so when you're in the middle mm. of one of those firefights you're running around hammering x because you're or reload button because you're trying to pick everything up and then you just reload your shotgun really slowly and you get shot up the arse again infuriating josh Brown. dude it sucks it's it, i remember like getting like you said getting to some of the late stages at wolfenstein one and just being infuriated because i was getting shot all over the place i didn't have enough ammo and <laughs> yeah. i had to like go poking my nose into the corners of all of these rooms to look for health yeah hoping it had like a few more bullets to take down this mech like it definitely definitely has its problems but like i said i think it got cut a lot of slack because it was one of the first games to try and mesh the old with the new and it absolutely wasn't perfect but you know <laughs> after, after doom came along and showed how to more or less flawlessly do that i mm. think it kind of made all of those previous attempts look a bit um dated in kind of comparison and kind of look a bit clunkier than they were but i'd be interested to go back because i imagine that i love the story of wolfenstein one but yes. like you i couldn't drive with like the gameplay and i never really felt i knew how to properly 
played. I didn't really enjoy the stealth in, like you said, it's not the power fantasy that it could be, you know? Mm -hmm. It's it's really strange because I feel like it opens really strongly as this sort of like quasi-cod tactical shooter because you have this overblown set piece thing where you're you're storming death's heads fortress at the very beginning and you're, you are dual wielding machine guns and taking out all these nazis and everything and then you start like you know cleaning out all these different bunkers it's still in the the world war style setting you're still infiltrating like a fortress and you're like systematically taking apart this place from within so you're going around different corners you're crouching you're taking dudes out with stealth kills and throwing the knives and everything and i love that they have the medal of honor airborne style I guess Killzone went on to have it as well. You hold a button to aim, you hold another one to lean around a corner. So you can like lean up above cover, you can shoot underneath doors and stuff like that. Loved all that stuff. And I was like, cool, you've established this sort of like stealth becomes action mentality um, where if something goes wrong, you still have your dual wields and you still have this ability to sort of dynamically switch between the two. Um, but like I said, as the levels open up, then there are far less opportunities to do that tactical angles-based gameplay and all that stuff falls apart. But the opening is so strong. Um, especially because they nail the tone of just being completely oppressed. And like, obviously, yeah. um, you know, you play the beginning in like 1946 and then uh, BJ goes, uh, has some shrapnel on the back of his head and goes under for 14 years. Um, and after that, obviously the oppression thematics are way heavier because it's, you're fighting back against the, the, the um, you know, Nazi occupation. And so I think that um, that stuff is like the most well done stuff thematically. And I think that, like I get what they're going for. Like you're very mm -hmm. slowly reclaiming ground, but I think towards the end, when you're storming a lunar base on the moon, I just want to run in and do stuff. And yeah. the levels feel like they want you to do that, but then they cut you down at the same time. I guess um, story-wise, we should talk about story stuff. Did you like gravitate towards the character, considering the dude's called B.J. Blazkowicz? I did in a really surprising way because I, yeah. I like, like you said there, what I love about the first one, even over the second one, is how every inch of progress you make in it feels like a mile. Like it mm. really feels like you're battling back against this like ridiculous power that like ultimately in the back of your head, you almost don't feel like you're going to triumph over mm. because it feels like you're against such ridiculous odds that every single bit of progress you make feels like a huge, huge victory. Like, like it feels like you're changing the tide of the war, even though ultimately you're not really. So I thought for the, in that case, the story kind of like themes and the presentation of it meshed with the combat a little bit more. And that does come through with BJ himself, who's like, you know, completely out of time, is absolutely good that- Some of his monologues. Get... <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, like, oh, daddy, I'm coming. Oh, I've got the, oh, the, the sheep in the field got killed, but I'm going to kill them. Like, just what are you, are you saying, BJ? Just, just... I like that stuff. <laughs> I love that stuff. He's like I, so- I, um, I do love the specific, poetic. yeah, that's the thing. It's it's like quasi-poetic. It's the bit, that, the thing that made me delete it immediately was mm -hmm. um, he does one of his little monologues at the very end when um, you're about to blow up the final compound and he's lying there having been, um, you know, he's like bleeding to death or whatever. And he does his little monologue and he says something about like, you know, breathe in, wait, exhale. <laughs> blah, blah. He says this sort of like quasi-poetic thing. And then it just cuts to black in this really melancholic, um, you know, sort of like uh, Rika Murunaka style, old school Metal Gear style piece of music comes on. Um, you know, kind of like that um, Don't Say Goodbye to Yesterday song that used to be in the Metal Gear 2 trailers. Um, yeah. I think you know what I mean. That thing. Yeah very melancholy piece of music comes on and I just went, no, you've not, you've not got this. You've lent on this crutch so much with melancholic BJ and you're going to cut to black and give me that full force with the credits. I just, I held, I held the home button. I pressed the home button and I just, and I deleted it. I was out there, but I, otherwise I like I the don't idea know, man. It, but it's, it's yeah, too I much. Yeah, I feel like, 
I've got more of a fondness for melancholic BJs than you, I think. Because I, I really, <laughs> really dug, like, I really dug that ending. I thought it worked. I thought it was effective. Uh-huh. And if they ended it there with, like, BJ actually dying, I think I'd have been all right with it. When they picked it up with the second yeah. one, I was partly a bit disappointed because I felt like the stakes were established and the consequences were established to the point where when they do kind of make him more of a Superman in the second game, I was like, I like I, I, this is the natural progression of mm. it, but also I quite like the the really overblown and really dramatic grittiness of that first title because it is it is dumb. Like, look, it, it, say, it might not really earn it, but I I, I liked it. They do, they lean on that a lot, and and like I I do love it honestly. Like personally, subjectively, I do love it. I just think that it's it is very like overblown, and sometimes he comes in every time it cuts to PJ's dialogue. He's saying something about like the clouds parted and then the sunlight, and then I, <laughs> oh I can see it coming for me, daddy. And it's just like yeah, like sure, like I'm sure you can, but um. <laughs> That whole thing of like in Wolfenstein 2, they sort of do the whole, you know, you're on the back foot and you're slowly coming back. And again, a lot of people didn't like that in Wolfie 2 where he's, because of what happened in Wolfenstein 1, he has to go through a whole recovery process and you don't get to run around in your mech suit until Wolf, until about halfway through Wolfie 2. Um, whereas I think that could be one of the great, I guess my overall, my question is, do you think this is their grand plan <laughs> and Wolfenstein part three will be the, the all out carnage that we actually want and all of it will work as a trilogy where he's slowly getting to the point where he can run through a place with twin machine guns. I hope so, because if they do a Wolfie 3 and it still has the same problems and still has that same crisis of identity over whether it wants to be this Doom-esque power fantasy Mm. or whether it wants to be this more um, brutal kind of slow and methodical heavier game, then I think I'll personally be disappointed because I want to get beyond that. I want to kind of I want the developers to choose one side, but if they do eventually go down this place where we are like this dual wielding BJ Blazkowicz, who's just ridiculously powerful and uh, like as powerful as the Nazis think he is. Cause that's the thing throughout all of these mm. games. Yeah. You are doing ridiculous acts of ultra violence. You are mm. tearing through these lunar bases. You were like absolutely destroying these fools. But at the same time, you can go down in like three hits and it's in, in the distance. That's what between, breaks it for me. Yeah. 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 Like the distance between that is, frustrating it is one of like you said one of those games that i think is a bit better to play on an easy difficulty because it's much less frustrating and mm-hmm. and i feel like it fits with the with the vibe of the character and the tone overall tone of it especially in the second game a little bit more but i do love the progression in the second game from you know you're this incredibly injured um character and then you mm-hmm. kind of like you build yourself back up throughout the game you even get like you know spoilers you get a new a whole new body more or less don't you at one point <laughs> yeah but yeah well that, you i like flying I drastically preferred uh, Wolfie 2, and I think, but I also ended up putting that on lower difficulty. And I would imagine that, like, in a, from a creative point of view, I guess they want you to be really fragile because the idea of a rebellion, the idea of a resistance in this fully occupied yeah. America is fragile and is really hard to bring together. And they want you to feel that. Like you said, they want every, or like you said, every step should feel like a mile. And I can get that. But at some point, it's just infuriating. And I think that, I don't know, I ended up just, I, like I lowered the difficulty on Wolfie 2 and I think that was the thing that just made me like fly through that game. Cause I would, like, like you said, thematically, story-wise, every bit of dialogue from every character is saying like, oh my God, this demonic, like they refer to him as like a demon. He's this like insane, uh, you know, dual ax wielding uh, maniac that's sort of like, you know, bringing to them their retribution kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I love that. I want to play that. And it's like Doom, like you said, was the thing that nailed that. Um, and it was just so strange going back through Wolfenstein 1 and realizing that actually quite a lot of the DNA um, that people sort of bounced off in Wolfie 2 is actually very much there in 1, if you're, at yeah. least if you're in like a medium um, setting. Yeah, exactly like what you were saying there, Scott. I mean, like why I didn't care about those issues in the first one so much is because I thought they were thematically more 
apt and thematically mm. more associated with what the gameplay was trying to push. But by the time Wolfie 2 came around, I just I, the dissonance was felt a bit more and I just felt like it was frustrating. We should have got beyond that. And I just, I don't know, do you think they'll even make a Wolfenstein 3? Because I mean, the developers oh, God, are yeah, on yeah, Indiana yeah. Jones at the moment. But Oh no, they, they've 100% said, I mean, that's, yeah, they have other projects on, but they 100% said they're doing, like it was always meant to be a trilogy. They, I, right. I forget the name of the dude that said it, um, but they literally said right at the beginning that they are doing all of this so that they can do Mecha Hitler, just so that you can go up against this <laughs> robo Hitler that was in the original, uh, one of the original Wolfensteins. Um, so yeah, they seem to be full steam ahead with it but i guess um the time in between each one um would have put wolfie 3 at last year because it was like 2014 2017 i think for wolfenstein 2 yeah and then i guess like give it a little bit more time but um yeah i don't know they, they announced the indiana jones games and stuff but i don't know in terms of like the the new wolfensteins i feel like they're completely overshadowed by doom um just as being whereas they should be up there with doom like it should be yeah. uh doom quake and wolfenstein as these like three you know old school revivals they should all be next to each other but there's something about wolfenstein that keeps holding it back yeah yeah i fully agree i wanted wolfenstein 2 to be the doom eternal essentially of that mm. franchise like the, this proper next step up and i just never quite felt like it was and it sucks because I, I do love the franchise and i do love the characters mm. love the themes obviously uh the weapons in there are very satisfying to use you know the locations are amazing you know some great um nazi killing fun for the whole family i just <laughs> i just want it to be better which is kind of weird because it's already quite good but i just feel like it has so much potential that's just slightly untapped we talked a little bit before we were recording about that insane energy laser gun the laser craft work that you get given yeah and i love the idea of that thing but why the living hell do i have to recharge it off the wall every eight shots like i couldn't believe that they lean on it twice during the last two fights as well where it's like run out ping five or six shots run back behind cover wait for it to charge run back out again i was just like why did you like alongside things like the reload button the the, the um you know scrounging bullets like running around getting three bullets fire my three bullets run away mm -hmm. charge the gun run out again i was just like had a blur how did you not <laughs> get this right like i just had to know if they smoothed off all those edges i think it would be up there with doom but it's like I don't know. I think it's just it's just in such a weird spot. And I played Wolfie One mostly lining back up with my 2014 self, going like I know exactly why I dropped off this, um, mm -hmm. and I had to like force myself through it this time to sort of like see it through. Um, I'm glad that I did, but I still like I guess I'd still recommend it. But I think that it's towards the back half. They want to have a big finale, but the, the health system just doesn't reinforce it whatsoever. Um, but yeah. I still would totally recommend like one and two. Um, I guess as final shout outs, I was going to um, mention that uh, Bravely Default 2, totally awesome uh, 90s JRPG. I have been playing Nuts, which is a... Um, what is Nuts? Nuts, my friend, is a, a Firewatch style um, conspiratorial oh. thriller. You yes, know, you, I do know what it is. Thing. You told me about this. Yep, yep, yep. It's, it's pretty good, mate. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to spend much on these little shout outs, but um, yeah, Nuts is you play as this dude who's been hired by this company to try, you're, you're doing like nature conservationist work. So you're um, going to this place and they just want to make sure, they just want to know what the squirrels are up to. Just, you know, just, <laughs> just seeing what they're doing. So um, gameplay wise, all you're doing is like plopping down some cameras um, and then you go, and then it cuts to the nighttime and you hit record and you get to view what happened. Um, and so you'll, you know, you, you might see like a, a scroll in the corner of the frame. So, you know, to reposition the camera the next day. And then eventually you start to figure out where they're going. Um, and it sort of starts to play out uh, in terms of um, it's weird because I don't want to give anything away, but there, there's definitely okay. more going on um, than just a few animals running around in a forest. There's um, there's 
like uh, things happening to the forest overall, there's maybe something that the squirrels would like to have something to say about. And uh, and you sort of like start unraveling this sort of like slight conspiratorial twist on uh, what, the, what the squirrels are doing each night. Um, so those would be my two uh, quick shout outs because you mentioned stuff at the beginning that you're you're still waiting on a PlayStation adapter to come, but you're going to be yes. diving into yes. more old things. Well, that, that Nuts thing sounds fascinating, but I'm in like this kind of weird space where I just don't know what to get, Scott. I've almost gone <laughs> to message you so many times about whether or not I should get a game. I was looking at the PlayStation Store last night and I was thinking, maybe I'll get The Long Dark. I don't know anything <laughs> about The Long Dark. Maybe I'll get that. I, I always messaged you asking you what you thought of it. Then I thought, no, Josh, you're not, you're not going to play The Long Dark. If you bought you're it, not. you're not, you're not going to play it, man. All I'm going to do, oh my, oh my actual God, play Ori. You're no. getting all the... Why no. not? You love it so much. When the Xbox Series X comes, I can't get out the old Don box, as Ben Roy would say, <laughs> and plug it in. Even though I do appreciate all everything you've said about that game, I'm sure it's going to be really oh, good. You but... know, you know now when you you're playing MK11, what three years after it came out, two years after it came out, yes. and you're loving it. Yes. That I can't wait for that feeling, Fari. I just I can't Neither wait. Can you're I. gonna love it. It's great. I know, I know. I just I want to be in the mood for it. I want to like know it's coming because I'm in this kind of weird space where mm. it's almost like I'm expecting a big massive game to drop you know i'm looking forward to disco elysium as i keep saying this mm-hmm. month like Same. it's the 8th of march the developers have reiterated it's coming this month but we don't know when so that's like going to be my next big game so i don't want to start anything i'll get too into anything else <laughs> i might have to put down so until then i'm just kind of like dipping in and out of things like i said mortal kombat um 11 going back to mortal kombat 9 mm-hmm. i'll probably play tekken 3 now like you said then the PlayStation 2 adapter is going to come. I'll play Sopranos. I'll play um, I'll play the Phantom Menace game. I'll play, I'll play whatever the hell is in 24, this cupboard, the game, friend. Prison Break, The Shield, just bust them Boy, all out. I'll play the Lost game on the Xbox 360. Um, oh, Domus, that was my that was my first yeah. 100% uh, achievement completion. One of the only games I ever got 100% in. Um, not not to worry. Um, yeah, so for now, this has been whatever the hell this has been. I've been Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. We'll catch you guys all next week. Thank you very much and bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.